the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Of course, it's easy to love those who love us. But to love those who hate us? Well, there's where the rubber meets the road. As we'll see next on Truth For Today. Join us. Valley Bible Church in Hercules. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. We welcome you to our broadcast and would invite you to join us here in John chapter 15, beginning in verse 18 and moving forward. Loving in a hateful world. As mentioned a moment ago, it is easy to love those who love us. But what about those who don't love us? How do we love in return? Jesus has the answer as we look at this passage here in John 15. Join us. Here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Look at John 7. John 7, verse 7. Some biblical reasons why people hated Christ. Verse 6, I'll begin. So Jesus said to them, My time is not yet here, but your time is always opportune. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me. Why? Because I testify of it that its deeds are evil. He is a testimony that what the world loves and is pursuing is evil. We don't want anybody around that messes up our party. Don't tell us what we're doing is wrong. Look at John 3. Another, he'll explain that. John three sixteen. you know that. Look at verse 18. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the judgment that the light, and who was the light? Jesus Christ. You could, you could change that, that, Me, Jesus, the light, has come into the world. And men said, finally, some light. No, they said, we love the darkness. Every man that goes to hell goes there because he loves darkness. So God gives him darkness for eternity. He loves the darkness rather than the light. And why is that? For their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. They hate Jesus because he reveals to them they're sinners and what they're doing is against God and they definitely need him and they don't like it. They want to keep being told on the Titanic all is well. And he comes aboard and says, it's a sinking vessel. You're going down. Look at going back to John 15. He says a strange kind of a verse. But I think with these others, it may open it for you. 
Look at what he says in uh, verse 22. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sinned. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Uh, If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would not have sinned. But now they have both seen and hated me, my father's well. It's not that they've never sinned, but I've taken away all excuse. I've given full exposure, told them by my words and miracles, this is who God is, this is what God thinks. And they said, we don't like that. You've removed all excuse for how we're living and what we're doing, and we don't like you. Tell me some lies. Don't tell me my real need. There's been a strange thing that's gone on uh, in the church for probably the last 20, uh, 20 30 years. Uh, and I think it may have started out as a good thing uh, in many ways. And, and it was the term uh, be seeker friendly. And that is be friendly to people who visit church. Uh, let's be as nice and as kind uh, to the unsaved that we're trying to reach. And that makes sense to me. I mean, does it make sense that God says, I'm leaving you in the world to be mean to them? No. Or say, no, we don't care if you come or not. Stay away, stay away, because we, we can't stand people, but we sure love Jesus. No, 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 no. If you, if you love God, it's going to come across you can love people. Okay? Even in their unsaved condition. Just like God loved us as the world. By the way, John 3.16, that is both saved and unsaved. That's not just the world of the elect. Now, he loved me while I was bad. I was in the world at one time. That's, what that, that's universal. That's, some folks say you can't tell people God loves them unless they're elect. That's not true. God loved me before I was saved. Yeah, yeah, he did. And don't quote me Calvin. Calvin didn't say it. You heard it right here. With all humility. And so in the seeker friendly, there's something I hear. I've had people tell me this. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to be feeling guilty. I had a man was advised, leave our church because he can make you feel guilty. Now, let me ask you something. If eight of you came in here this morning and you just pulled off a robbery last night, and I happen to say, thou shalt not steal, did I just make you guilty? You were guilty before I said it. I just notified you. I don't even know you did it. But when you got a congregation full of sinners, you just mention any sin and somebody's going to say, ouch. And so what you learn to do is just go in that prayer mode. No, no, we know you're guilty. I don't want to be made guilty. I don't want to be made feel bad. Well, why do you keep living bad? Why do you keep thinking bad? When did you become the standard? And when did the goal of the church be to make you feel good? You got to first feel bad before you could ever feel good. You got to feel bad enough to go to the doctor. Hear me. You got to feel bad enough to seek help. Men are terrible to go to doctors. The doctors all tell me this. Because I'm a good patient. I go just you know, for the holiday. <laughs> when I get bored, Carol and I, many a Monday, our, our date is going to the pharmacy. 
And we take Rebecca out, have call it a day. We went to the pharmacy, got her medicine, and took her daughter to lunch. What a date. Man, meet you at the pharmacy. You need to feel guilty when you're guilty. It's called repentance. It's, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's not my mother or my brother or my sister, Lord. It's me, it's me, it's a me, oh Lord. Talks about me, my attitude, my walk. What have I been looking at on the internet? How do I treat women? How do I treat money? Did I give in the offering today? I ought to feel good. Well, if you had it, you didn't give it, you ought to feel guilty. Well, the Bible said you should not give under compulsion. You're right. I just want you to be guilty. Keep it. God can get his business done without any of us. But if they hated Christ, they'll hate us. And they hated Christ because he exposed them that they were in sin, that they were guilty. And they said, We've got our religion taken care of. We're all right at the synagogue. The religious rulers say we're okay. We get a little blessing. We get the Pharisees and the Sadducees to bless us. We don't need some man coming down here and saying he's of God and we're guilty because our hearts are full of sin, full of being far, far from God. They hate us because they hate Christ. Third reason, they hate us. Because they do not know God. And he goes on to say that. He says it in chapter 16. He says it here. They hate me, verse 23. And they hate my father also. Why wouldn't the world hate us when it hates our God, hates our Savior, and hates us that we're no longer a part of his philosophy? It seems to be unavoidable. And... What do you think God should do with the world that says this? You hated my son without a cause in him. And so is this the message I get from the world? The father could say, my son did words and deeds never done before by a man. He had all the messianic credentials. He fulfilled all the messianic prophecies. And I hear the world say, I do not want him. And in essence, we said, if this is the best God can do, he could keep it. I don't need Jesus. I don't want him. I want a little religion, and I want to live like I want to live and do as I want to do, and you can keep this guy called Jesus. I don't believe his miracles. I don't believe his words, and I'm not going to buy his cross. And how now is God to treat such rejection? As though our sins weren't bad enough, the thing God has put in the middle of history is, there's my best offer for your sin and guilt. It's the only escape from my judgment. I have nothing else on the table. Take him or take hell. And then you'll hear a good half drunk joke say, well, I'll be having so much fun in hell because I'll be there with all my friends. Hell is isolation. You won't be able to visit. It seems to be eternal separation from God and people. You will get your way. 
For the road and the door to hell is locked from the inside. And you won't unlock the door. That's why they hate Christ. That's why they will hate us. And so, as I read what has gone on in history, uh, I read from a Catholic theologian uh, who mentioned, I cannot say his name well, he is a, uh, an Italian Catholic, Casil Monteferrato. He wrote on the uh, church, and uh, he says that roughly 70 million Christians have been killed for their profession of faith for the last 2,000 years. He says two-thirds of those martyrdoms started at the 20th century. And then he says this in the Catholic Journal, that he estimates 100,000 Christians have been killed every year since 1990. So we average at least 100,000 a year that are killed because they say Jesus is Lord. I get a little uh, newsletter from a Assemblies of God missionary that lived in Iran, an Iranian pastor. Tells me of all of his brothers that have been killed, how many are in hiding, uh, underground church, North Korea, China, has incarcerated thousands of Chinese pastors. The underground church in China has been an incredible witness of the stamina of the church that could not be put out, still going. 50 million they estimate in China. Yet killed, martyred. And oh, how they invented ways to kill us. Fox's Book of Martyr, one of the favorite ways was to melt lead and put it in both eardrums and just let the lead fry the brain. Oftentimes, turn a man upside down in a river and put a sword in his innards. And so many times, the men proved to be strong, so they would kill the man's family in front of him. That made him break more than anything else to watch a pregnant wife disembowel. Many a man gave up the faith for the moment. Oh, I want to tell you, we belong to a persecuted people. This world is no friend of grace. Never has been. Let me tell you our dangerous believers. One is isolation. I need at least seven more minutes. I'll go quick. Isolation. And that is to move away from the world and go invent a monastery out in the desert. God has told us to be witness to the, witnesses to the world. He did not tell us to isolate. He said, I leave you in the world. Keep them in the world, Father, but don't take them out of it. You can move to the middle of Nevada with a population of 10 and start Dry Gulch Baptist Church. But God would like for you to go where there's people. He didn't die for trees, and he didn't die for sand. And that's why the urban areas, I see a lot of young couples, you want to flee the urban because you want to protect your kid from all the corrupting influences, and they are abounding everywhere. But you know, every once in a while, they kill somebody in Iowa, and all back there is corn and hogs. I find out sin breaks out everywhere because of the Internet and all the connection. Young people think the same all the way across. The Bible Belt, 
kids are thinking the same way. You can't get them isolated from it. They're being corrupted. And, but out of fear, we want to move to isolation. Another thing, a big danger is assimilation. That is, we want to become like it. We don't want the world to not think uh, we're not cool. We want to be cool. And so we want to be like it. We want to imitate, uh, love its pleasures, love its this, love its that. And so we, ad- we adopt. I think sports programs, you know, I think of uh, when you're... Uh, Jason and Rebecca could not make a, a sporting event for their kid. It was uh, going over the schedule, and they'd had a practice. And I was just filling in for them. And I'm the grandparent, not the parent. But the guy's rattling off the sporting uh, schedule. And all of a sudden, one of the dates just falls right on Easter. Now, there have to be a couple other black pastors there because we were visiting during this time. And I said, Easter, a, a ball game? And I just yelled out, hey, are we a bunch of pagans? Haven't you heard Jesus rose and we have Easter once a year? The guy kind of looked. If there had been ushers, I know he would have said, get this guy out. I know they kicked Jason and them out of that league, but that was okay. Not really. But I just, hey, this is baloney. Can a kid play basketball without having to be here on Easter? Are we going to have to be here on Christmas Day? Yeah. And I think all our kids in sports got to do that. And it's a great sports looks good because it's better than them getting in trouble. It's a good way to direct energy. I think uh, becoming like the world, they say TV has done more to shape the 20th century mindset and values. I mean, where would we be had we not grown up on Howdy Doody? Man, I'm way going way back. Okay, where would we be had we not fallen in love with Annette Funicello? I mean, that's the only reason we watched Mickey Mouse was Annette. How many boys fell in love with Annette? Come on, yeah, okay, you live, yeah, come on. It's my generation. All of this stuff and, and tech. Let's take tech. Tech's not influencing us. I mean, you're talking with someone, and all the time you're talking. My family's told me I'm not adequate to pastor because I don't have an iPhone. (laughs) I'm just not qualified. How can you be relevant? Relevant? (laughs) I was at a conference. I asked John MacArthur, said, how did you write your books? He said, have you heard of a pencil and paper? And all the guys I was sitting with, them. and he said, I've never owned a computer. I've only written 100 books, though. These guys own all the tech. They haven't written anything yet. <laughs> and you're so contemporary. And all your data in one day doesn't say anything. We've never listened to more trivia pursuit and lack substance, and we've got more avenues of information and more trivia than we've ever had. Everybody's got access to us, and they don't have anything to say. What about dress? You know, I grew up on clothesline sermons. That meant when the preacher hadn't prepared, he'd pick on the women and tell them how to dress. But what do you do with the First Timothy 2.9? Let women adorn themselves with all modesty. Do you think 
most young people know how to come to church and adorn their body so it doesn't attract undue attention? Or do you come here looking like Brittany? And we see your little navel. You got a little button in there something. And you think the boy's going to worship? He's just staring. I've been praying for you. No, you haven't been praying. You've been lusting. Get that midriff covered. And what's all this cleavage falling out? Huh? You, 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 don't, you don't come to church to show off your breast. We come to worship. We want to get vertical. And, and, and don't you men say, well, I'm just praying for her. You're not praying for her. Pray up. Pray this way. <laughs> Ain't anything up there, honey, bother you. Pray up there. Lord, bless this woman next to me that's causing me to lust. No, no, no. He told the church how they ought to dress. Don't get your dress because the prostitutes of that culture and the immoral, they had different ways to adorn, attract the attention. We don't need to go to school. Hey, have you learned how to do that? Or does Hollywood or does the dress store, how many have you raised any daughters? I mean, what's the battle? I want this one. About right there. Let's see. You know. I'm causing lust. I know. Quit your lusting. You know. It's all. I say, you want that for church? Buy her a pair of sweatpants. Man, get her a sweatshirt. I mean, the world? Who's running God's people? The world or God? Am I dressing to please God or to seduce a boy in church? Where's my mind? Does the ladies, boom, boom, bebo, whatever you call them, prancing across the stage that will be popular for about 18 months and then will be a has-been, do they determine how you're going to look? Or does the one who bought you determine how you dress? Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. You want to say, I dress today so God gets glory. I dress in such a way that he'll be honored. I ain't dressing to please the world because the world doesn't know how to do anything but be seductive, appeal to my lust, and appeal to my pride. I don't care what you say. I'm telling the truth. I know that. I know that. Well, our challenge is two things. I just hush for this. I have to stop. We have a twofold challenge as I see it. And one is, can we keep loving in a sinful, hateful world? And that's why Jesus kept telling his own, don't love the system, love one another. Because the world doesn't know how to love. They know how to use you. They know how to abuse you. But they don't know how to love. And he says to the children of God, love one another. Love one. Why does he say that the world might see? Give them a model where love is involved without lust, without manipulation, without you. We truly will sacrifice ourselves for another person. Two, we don't have time, but 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 4 says, If you're chosen to suffer for doing the right, you've been blessed. 
and the spirit of grace and glory will rest on you. It's better to suffer for doing the right than to be accused of being a thief or a meddler. If you suffer, you've been called to follow the steps of Christ, for he's our example that though he was reviled, he reviled not again. What did the church teach us how to do? How to suffer without retaliation, how to suffer without taking up a sword or an army. They died at the stake. They died in the Colosseum. Oh, that we would emulate suffering for Christ and not sinning while we suffer. That is our challenge. And with that, we come to the end of our time together here on Truth For Today, the ministry of Alley Bible Church here in Hercules with our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. As we close out our program today, we would invite you to contact us. Let us know how the broadcast has encouraged you, has ministered to your walk and relationship with Christ. Now, there are a couple of ways that you can contact us. By phone, obviously the easiest, 855-833-9864. Again, simply call 855-833-9864. You can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California, 94547 is the zip code. Now, the easiest way to get in touch with us would be through our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Now, as you stop by, you'll be able to drop us an email, but then take advantage of the many resource materials we have available, again, there at truthfortodayradio.org. You'll also be able to find out more about Valley Bible Church here in Hercules, who we are, what we believe, worship times, directions, and the like. Again, truthfortodayradio.org, or again, simply call 855-833-9864. Would you also bear in mind this radio broadcast is available through listener support. As you link arms with us financially, we are able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. So please consider that as you contact us. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Message.